I was like, I just, I just need to do it. Everyone's like, you are crazy. Like there is nothing wrong with your relationship. You've got it's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know, <laughs> but there is something inside of me telling me that I need to do this for myself. I am Lisa. I'm the author of Love More. I'm also a life coach and NLP matrix therapy and conscious hypnosis practitioner. My soul knew at the time of me needing to leave the marriage, I needed to go through that to get to where I am now. Always a choice. You can choose love and you can choose to live with, live with love and live from love. Or you can choose to live from sadness and anger and hate human basic core needs that need to be met every single day and you've got certainty and variety and then the other two and they go hand in hand and the other two are um, significance and connection and so if you're not getting a strong connection with your partner and you're not feeling that significance with your partner you're going to look elsewhere what is success i heard a quote from my mentor bob proctor who actually heard it from earl nightingale and he said the success is the so Let's not keep you waiting any longer and turn through the pages of this open diary. I hope you are listening. Who is Lisa? When I think of me, I think of somebody who's learning to live in their truth. And I'm someone who has learned to have self-love. I'm someone who's learning to be present. I'm learning to be calm in many situations. But I'm someone who's also here to serve and, and give back. So when I think of who I am, I, I like to think of myself as a giver and you know not not necessarily just materialistic things but i like to just give my time and my support and and my presence and energy and love and light to people i'm just this being who is having i'm a spiritual being having a human experience you said yeah. something around learning and self-love mm. Tell us about that journey. Yeah, the learning is a big word for me because I, I felt for so long, for so many years of my life that I had to be perfect and I had to have it all together and I had to be there at the top and, you know, be this perfect little person. <laughs> but I'm learning that I don't, there is no there. So I'm learning to fall in love with the process of every stage that I'm at it with my life whatever that looks like, whatever's presented to me, whether it be negative or positive. And I'm, I'm embracing every situation and just being the best version of myself in that situation. And with that has come the self-love that I've really had to learn because I didn't really understand that. Like there's this cliche and this concept around self-love and it's, you know, people think it's kind of in the airy fairy world. But it's it's so important and it's so vital to have because you really can't, you really can't, I don't believe you can really love somebody else if you don't have that. 
And yes, that's something, again, we hear a lot. But what does that look like? That's like, you know, breaking down every belief you've had, every um, habit, breaking down. It's almost like you're this flower who needs to be broken to then be reborn. So you learn so much about yourself. And it just means giving yourself that time to learn about who you are, what you like, what you want, that self-care, because then you can then give that to other people. Did that, to to get there, did you have to make some tough decisions? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were pretty big. They were pretty big decisions. So I suppose I'll go back to where it all started. Um I was about 28. I'd been in a marriage for about nine years, but that relationship for about 14, um, two kids. Um, one was three and L four at the time. Um, and everything was just kind of, I thought everything was fine. Um, I was also a school teacher at that time. And, you know, when you're a teacher, you, you don't really get a lot of time to think at work because running around looking after kids. Um, and, you know, ha- hands down to all teachers out there because it's a, it's a very um, challenging, beautiful, but, um, you know, intense industry. So um, after about eight years of teaching, I decided to kind of break out of that. Just it was not for me anymore and I just felt like I needed something different. So I went into corporate and in corporate you have all this time for yourself <laughs> to think and you're like, who am I and what's going on? And so there was a huge change within the first month of me going into corporate. I just felt very different very quickly and I was like, who, who am I? Like, what do I like? What, people would ask me, what music do you like and who, who are you? And I would just say, I don't know, I'm just a mum and I'm married and they're like, but who are you? Like, what what do you do? And and I'm not just a teacher. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to figure out what all this means. So I started going through, I suppose, this spiritual journey that I like to call it. Um, but with that came a lot of a lot of challenges because I started getting the feelings of me not wanting to be in a marriage anymore, which was frightening. <laughs> it was very scary. It was um, it was very lonely. It was very dark. Um, because you know, you've got half of yourself saying that you need to do, you need to do something different. And this other heart saying, well, you can't do that. You can't leave a a marriage and you've got kids and you're a wife and it's your responsibility to stay in that. Um, but then, and I, and I did for so long, it was probably about nine months I battled with that. You know, there was therapy involved and there was a lot of back and forth with, you know, my mind, no, and there was a lot of pushing my feelings to the side of what's actually I wasn't listening to my higher self and I wasn't listening to that side saying you need to do something else and you need to potentially leave. Um, so I didn't really talk to anyone besides a few therapists and, and one other person was my cousin actually. Um, and there was, yeah, there was just this battle between do I, do I stay, do I go? Um, but I found that the more I resisted, the feeling of you know me not listening to my higher self and what was really right for me the more angrier and sadder and frustrated I was getting within myself and then it was just I was exploding at everybody and anyone around me and then I got to a stage after about you know about that nine month mark where I just said like I can't do this anymore and I knew I could no longer grow and be the person I needed to be in my relationship and that was terrifying. It was so scary. It was so lonely. It was, um, it was just hard. It, yeah. It, 
even when I think back to it, it was just such a challenging time because you know you're going to break everyone that you care about mm. and you know you're going to hurt so many people and you know nobody is going to understand and you know you're just going to be doing this journey alone for a very long time. But knowing all of that, I still had this sense of comfort. Like I still knew I was, I was going to be okay. I was like, I just, I just need to do it. Everyone's like, you are crazy. Like there is nothing wrong with your relationship. You've got it's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know, <laughs> but there is something inside of me telling me that I need to do this for myself because I didn't, to be honest, I didn't really feel like a great mum, and I didn't really feel like I was doing the best. I wasn't giving myself, I wasn't the best person in my relationship. I don't believe like now I know that I thought at the time I was, I thought I was doing all this amazing stuff, but I can now say, Oh, okay. I actually wasn't doing the best that I could have done. Well, I suppose, look, I think I did the best that I could in that situation, but now I would do things very differently, but because that's because of, you know, self growth. What happened? So, after, what happened after, like once you've done the breakup, what yeah. was the journey after? Ollie, it was pretty tough I, for the first yeah, yeah. Six you can't jump in. I mean, yeah, sorry, yeah. No, no, because I think like you kind of went like the other way, and I'm like, there was a really, really interesting moment here. Nine years, good, nine years of marriage, yeah, and then you said nine months since the self doubt yeah. process kind of begun. And my yeah. question is, when did you really emotionally check out? And was it really during these nine months, or was it leading up to it? So really, it was, the thinking process leading to after the nine months, because I'm not sure if it actually did start at nine months. Is, is it really actually nine months? Is that what you think is that? Yeah, months? yeah, no, definitely. So it definitely um, for the first six months, I would say was probably the hardest because I really fought for the marriage. Then I felt like I tried to do everything in my power to ignore my feelings, to fight for what it was, even though I'd been fighting for years before that in, you know, in different ways. But I felt like I really tried and I pushed everything aside during those six months to give it a go. And then the last three months, I would say that that's probably when I kind of checked out emotionally the most. And it was, it was really interesting because it was, it was something that my therapist said to me, and I haven't actually told many people this, but um, you know, about being vulnerable. Um, she said to me, because I said to her, I just don't know what to do. And she said, if in 20 years' time your daughter's in the same situation and she says to you, Mum, this is my life, this is where I'm at, what should I do? And, like, instantly I was like, do what makes your soul happy, w what feels right. And when I answered that question and the thing that came out of my mum was to leave, I knew that that's what I had to do. But it was a very, again, very terrifying to realise that because I had been fighting that emotion. I'd been fighting that for so long because I so badly wanted it to work. And I was like, I, I can't fight anymore. That's, and during these first six months, what, like the question that's really in my mind since you said it is you're fighting for six months. What were you fighting for? Exactly. to save the marriage like i was fighting for it to just work like i didn't i really didn't Why? want to break up that family unit okay because i okay. had in my mind for so long i grew up with the belief if there was love there once you can always have love like that that was in my that's been in my mind 
forever from the moment I was born my parents drilled that into my mind right so in my head I was like anything you know you can work through anything and and we don't do divorce in our culture and you know it's not a thing and that's only if you know you're you're in a very um, unhealthy relationship and you know you're getting abused or but it was never a thing just to leave because you're unhappy so I felt a lot of guilt and shame and I knew how much pain I was going to bring people. So I fought for, for, not, for that not to happen. Quick one. Can you please take a second and follow us on any platform you're listening from? It will help more than you know. Thank you. Yeah, I fully, fully empathise with what you're saying. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, this is the point of that. I reckon Ali was getting at earlier is like what happened after. Sorry, Ali, that's why I can't just like hold you back because I was really yeah. curious to hear. It was leading up to that moment. What was your thinking process? Um, yeah. I think, Ali, you're asking about what happened afterwards. Was that right, Ali? Did I? Yeah. 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 So after it, for, I'd say for about the, like, the first year was pretty tough because you are going through so many emotions and you're like, okay, I've made this decision, but there's so many things in the background there's like you know where do I live and how many times you have the kids and lawyers and everything in between and that's also why a lot of people don't make this move because they're like it's too hard to think about it's just easy where I'm at now but you know I worked through it and in that time I chose to do a lot of personal development so I actually found um, my love for reading I wasn't a reader before that I was I got very connected to books I found my relationship with God it was really interesting because I didn't I've we, like I've we've always had religion in our family, but I've never really drawn to it. I've never really prayed as a child. But it's so funny through my divorce. That's when I became so close to God, and that was such. That's that's why I say it was such a blessing for me because that's the most important relationship I have now. That's and through twist. I want to get yeah. into that. Your yeah. relationship with God. Yeah. What was your idea of God before marriage and after? Before it was just kind of like, oh, just I believed in God. It was just this kind of heavenly figure. Um, you just kind of go when you need to. I, to be honest, I didn't really think about God. Like I don't, I, it was very neutral. There was not like I was against or like I, I believed in God, but it was, it was nothing that was in my conscious mind. So I would never turn to God. I would never know, like I would never pray or, or speak of him. It was just, oh, yeah, we believe in God and that's kind of it. But then I felt so lonely throughout the divorce that it automatically, just I just automatically turned to him. And it was so beautiful because I felt, I felt okay. Like I felt like I was going to be, I felt protected. I felt safe. And going through a divorce it's like the last thing you feel on like a surface level because it's terrifying. But I felt like that relationship is what saved me, to be honest. Mm. And I just prayed and I'm like, just guide me. And it, and it, and he did. And I just like, just lead me to where I need to be. What, what do I need to do? And I got the messages that I needed to leave, which is a lot, of, a bit of a controversial conversation because a lot of people are like, well, you know, God doesn't believe in divorce, but for me, that's the message I received, and um, and now it's, it's like I feel like one with him. What is God to you today? Love. 
love. God is love. Maybe that's yeah. a good segue to talk about love more. Mm-hmm. Your beautiful yeah. book. Um, Thank you. It's very exciting. Why did you write a book about love? Ah, yeah. So I went through. So after going through the divorce, I found a, an amazing personal development program called the Bob Proctor coaching program and um in that i was coached with the company from the states for about a year and they help you really figure out what it is well first figure out who you are what you want how you want to contribute to the world and there was a lot of um it's you know it's an intense year of personal development and through that i found my love for writing and I was like, oh, my God, I need to write. So I started writing articles and I and I did quite well. I got into some really great publications and I was really happy with my work. And then I'm like, I'm going to write a book. I need to write a book. <laughs> like, I just, I need to write a book. Um, and it just came to me. And there was a bit of a resistance there because I was like, well, I'm not an author. I didn't study anything got to do with writing. So, you know, what, what makes me think I can become a writer? Um, and then I was listening to one of the training videos in my coaching program and um, it said something like, everything you need to do is within you already. And so I took that as like, well, I feel the need to want to write. So I, I took that as, you know, the opportunity and, and the message that that's something that I'm earning to do. But then I'm like, well, all the information's already inside of me, so just let's pour it out. And then I, I did. I asked for God, God to guide me, and it, it honestly, I sometimes I feel like it was just channeled through me. Like I don't really remember the writing process because it just came through me energetically, and I just started typing, mm. and, the, and the book came out. So COVID was a blessing for me because I stayed inside and I wrote for about six to eight months. Yeah, that's how long it took me to write. What are you hoping to achieve with this book? I suppose it's two parts. Like, I really wanted to dive into the self love of it, like helping people find what it means to have self love and give practical tools and how to do it. Because there's again, it's that oh, how do I even start? So it's like you know, these are some things that you can do to give yourself self love. But then the other aspect is creating self awareness in someone's life. That's probably the biggest intention for the book and that's like why i do what i do now that's why i do the coaching the nlp because i want to create self-awareness in someone's life and once you give somebody the gift of self-awareness they can then make the changes that they need to make they can then change their thoughts which then changes how they feel which then changes how they're going to act and it always starts with the thoughts so we have so many thoughts a day but if you can become aware of what you're thinking and then you can choose which thoughts serve you you know, you get a thought, you can choose to believe it, you can choose to, you know, delete it, get rid of it. If you go with the ones that serve you, you're then going to feel so much better and then you're going to act better and then everyone around you is going to be happier. So I suppose the biggest thing for the book is I, I really wanted to create self-awareness in people's life. And that's why I've got the use of the affirmations and the, and the gratitude that I mentioned um, and, and choosing love. I the the other thing is also that there's always a choice you can choose love and you can choose to live with live with love and live from love or you can choose to live from sadness and anger and hate and that's going to determine the outcome 
Um, what was the hardest chapter or maybe page of the book that you've written? Maybe a line even. Mm. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't think that there was one. I don't, I don't, I didn't find it hard to write. Like there, there was, there is a such thing as, you know, the writer's block and there was times where I felt stuck. It was probably once a book was written and it was the editing part because before I sent it to my editor, I wanted to edit it myself. A, I enjoy that, but I also wanted it to be so perfect before I took it to my editor. But it, I found, yeah, that probably, um, the hardest part of it and like going back and then you become I suppose being self-critical you're like does this make sense and will they resonate with this and those are the thoughts that were coming up during the writing process that I found challenging so it wasn't so much a chapter itself it was um the thoughts that were coming into my mind as I was writing but I I thought I felt as though I grew in that process that I was like let that go and just Mm. just write Whatever it's meant to come out will come out and whatever readers read is what they're meant to read. So I learned to trust in the process. There was a a line in your book that I highlighted and quite liked it. Um, It says, your childhood has a lot to do with how you think and the habits you have. Mm. Tell us about that and maybe reflect on your own childhood and things about that as well. Yeah, well, it's... It's well, when we're so young, we become a sponge. We, we're sponges the first seven years and everything that we hear and we see and that's modeled to us becomes our reality. So if, you know, you have someone who didn't get a lot of self-love or if you have a lot of parents, um, we don't really know our kids' love language and we don't know um, their internal representation system. We don't know if what type of learner they are, if they, you know, based on, their decisions on feelings or if they're visual or, um, you know, we don't really, we don't allow children to just be. We kind of give, give, give. We have, you have to be this way and you have to say this and you have to be good. And, and so when you, you're kind of controlling that and controlling them to a certain degree, they become, they, they become what their, their environment is. All right, and then there is this thing between nurture and nature, and there is a lot of science to say that both are are important too. Um, but it's that what happens in our childhood really does affect how we become as adults. So if you know, if you're constantly, if someone's saying to you, you know, you're not enough, and what you're doing isn't enough, and you need to work really hard to make a lot of money, for example, you're going to grow up with the mentality that in order for me to make money, I have to work really hard. But if you have somebody else on the other side that, you know, love what you do, be a good person, give, be of service, choose love, you know, be kind, listen to people and money comes with your passion, you're going to have someone very different as an adult and how they do things habitually is also going to be very different and how they be in relationships, you know. So, you know, you've got people to, when people go into relationships, they've got these all these internal representations that are happening that they've come up with in, you know, each of them. And then they come together, but, you know, their values are very different. Their mindsets are very different. Their upbringings are very different. And then that kind of collides and that's when there's a lot of disconnect between relationships. That messaging is very important, isn't it? I cannot Mm. agree with that more. The messaging that you grew up with as a kid and whatever... Mm 
the people you're surrounded with tell you, you tend to carry mm. you, you tend to carry that with you for the rest of your life. That messaging, yeah, it's yeah, a, it, you you don't really realize until you kind of step out of that. And I, I mean, I wasn't aware of that until the last, I'd say, probably three years. And I mm. and I honestly would say that NLP really showed me the impact that it had when you tap into your unconscious mind and you know when you talk about the first time you felt anger or felt sadness and you can revisit that time when you're a little girl and because you didn't feel heard or you didn't feel enough or you didn't feel loved you know and that's not to blame that's not to blame parents or you know guardians because again people do the best that they can do with the resources that they have but it's so vital when you're like oh i it's because I wasn't, I didn't get that. And that's why I have this, you know, limiting belief or negative emotion creep up all the time. So if we can create self-awareness in adults and especially with parents, then, you know, we do different things with our kids. Yeah. Instead of controlling them and telling them how to be and, and what to say and what to think, let guide them and, you know, you know, give them the structure and give them, give them the foundations that they need and be that model for them. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And I say go back to, I think your point on mindset, on two adults mm-hmm. growing up with two different childhoods. Mm. Just on that one in particular, um, do you think mindset is a privilege or is something you actually earn along the way? I think when you're ready to receive messages you receive them so what i mean by that my soul knew at the time of me needing to leave the marriage i needed to go through that to get to where i am now and i had to learn all of the fundamental skills to get to where i am now and that's you know creating a positive mindset that's um going through the shit i'm gonna say (laughs) um to come out the other side right so then i can hopefully have that ripple effect on my kids now i i think that everyone has their own journey and to say that you know everyone needs to have a positive mindset it's not realistic and it's also not their soul isn't not everyone's soul's ready for that experience in life just yet if that makes sense so the more we do this the more you know we have conversations like this the more people read about self-awareness it's because they're soul is ready to learn and to grow and this is why this podcast and my book will be given and it will be heard by people who are on that same energy level but trying to tell or educate or give you know tell someone that they need to have this particular mindset when their soul's not ready for it it's not going to work because it needs to come from them it needs to be when they're ready like if someone had said to me 10 years ago that you would be where you're at now i would have been like you're crazy like and i i I thought I was aware. I thought I had a positive mindset. I thought I was doing all the right things, but I wasn't ready for it yet. Mm. What are you teaching Zayden and Isla about love? First, to love themselves. This is the the one thing that I want them to learn. I I want them to learn that it's okay to be you it's okay 
to have your individuality and your uniqueness and that's a blessing in this world. You don't want to be like other kids and that can be quite challenging because when you're a child, you just want to be like everyone else and you want to have the same things. So I try and show them that their uniqueness is such a beauty in this world and I really embrace those qualities within them and I'm like, look at how amazing you are that, you know, you see this and, you know, other people might not see it or the way that you draw is so creative. So that's definitely, I definitely want to embrace their uniqueness, but also the awareness. Like I focus so much on um, what are you actually saying right now? Like when they're crazy and they're losing their shit and everyone's, you know, their emotions are high. I'm like, what's happening? Because it's, it's obviously not helping us in this situation or it's not helping you so how can we change it so we do a lot of affirmations we do a lot of dancing to try and kind of release a lot of the energy and I try and just make them aware of what they're saying and that of their actions because I feel like if I can give them those tools now they can then use that as they get older just about that self-awareness just have the awareness of what what are you actually doing like why are you doing that why are you on the floor throwing your tantrum you know, if you if that's what you need to do, you do you. But you know, we can't be doing that forever. <laughs> so, what what's the feeling behind it? And we do a lot of feeling stuff. We're like feelings, feelings, people. You know, why do we feel this? And you know, we're all very kinesthetic people, so it's very feelings based. Yeah. Yeah, especially for Zayden because. I get, I, I've seen so often boys don't know how to express and then they go into adulthood and their partners are like, you don't talk to me. You don't tell me your emotions. You don't tell me what you're thinking and you're feeling. And then they get angry at them. And that's not fair to you guys. Like, I'm so supportive of men in that sense, in that like, give them a break. They, they haven't been taught. They don't know. <laughs> Not all men. I'm not, you know, disclaimer but, that is it's not all men. Don't you think it's it's men's responsibility to learn how to express their feelings if then they weren't taught as kids? I think I think every adult has a responsibility to become aware of what they're doing. You know, I don't like to just say men and women. And I, I think you get to a certain age where you can no longer be like, oh, I didn't learn it as a child. Oh, therefore I'm, you know, I'm giving up. Poor me. I do not do victimization at all. So when people start to like kind of become a victim, I'm like, stop, stop. We take full accountability. We take full responsibility for our life. We can make changes now. So I understand why men and not just men, and a lot of women don't know how to express their emotions as well. I understand why people don't, we don't excuse it, but we then want to create that awareness. And that's why I'm, I do that, particularly with Aiden. I'm just going to make a, a very cheeky comment. I feel like the equivalent <laughs> of a challenge with men, with women, is misinterpreting their feelings. Yes, yes, because they don't feel heard and they don't feel understood and then they don't feel cared for. Um, relation, I really love relationship coaching when I get clients who want to do relationship coaching. It's actually one of my favorite because I can see so many couples like just really grow after it or they choose that you know, they both choose that they don't, they don't want that path. Um, and that's always up to the couple, you know, I'm just kind of guiding them in what they want, but it's so funny. It comes down to like when I do my chunking up questions, it's that they just want to be loved in their own way. And both parties want that. Men are like, they, you know, chunk them up, chunk them up. And they just, they're like, I just want to be loved and appreciated, but this is my love language and this is how I need it. And the lady's like, well, this is what I need. And then it's like, well, there you go. Now you both know what you need. Do you want to give that to each other? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, 
But it's because we don't understand each other's love languages. We don't understand each other's like core needs. We don't, and, you know, that's a, that's a big thing. Like there's four human basic core needs that need to be met every single day. And whether you meet them, if you meet them resourcefully or unresourcefully, that's two different things. But, you know, you've got certainty and variety and then the other two, and they go hand in hand. And the other two are um, significance and connection. So humans need those things every day, just like they need water. And so if you learn to give that to yourself first and to your, then you can give it to your partner and then it's vice versa. Relationships are amazing, but people don't get the time or don't really want to invest the time to do, to learn those things because they just want to blame the other person. They're like, no, it's his fault or it's her fault or he's crazy. He doesn't listen to me or he doesn't love me or he doesn't answer my phone. And so just like, well, get out of that cycle and figure out what's actually going. What do you want? What's going and back it, to you? Honestly, they, they just want to be loved. Honestly, yeah, that's what like, people want. I like the wording you used earlier, resourcefully, unresourcefully. Mm. What do you, yeah, tell me more. So, Yeah, so you're going to either use it, you're either going to act and get that in a helpful way or in a very unhelpful way. So we need connection. And so if you're not getting a strong connection with your partner and you're not feeling that significance with your partner, you're going to look elsewhere because it's a core need. And so what do people do? They go on social media and they might start talking to people online or um, they might even do stuff themselves where um, like they might dress in a certain way or they might seek attention in a certain way because when people get to seek attention, they're getting a connection with someone. Mm-hmm. So some if you're not... Connection. You, you get some type of connection, yes, yeah. This is why pets are very useful because people get the connection with their pet. So it doesn't always have to be from someone. It could be from, you know, a pet or, but it needs to be with a living thing. You know, you need to have that connection with someone. And this is why a lot of people struggled during COVID because their human core need wasn't met. And as well, they need to also feel significant. So if you're in a relationship where you're not feeling significant to that other person or you're not giving significance, well, then you're going to feel quite useless and then you're going to feel shit and you're going to then, it's going to just kind of have this ripple effect. So, if, you know, if we teach, relate, if we get into relationships where you know your core needs, you know your love language and you're, you can be expressive about the things that you want and you desire and then you're like, hey, do you want, does this work for us? Then, yeah, let's go. And if it doesn't, then you red flag leave <laughs> or you choose to work and you grow together. Very interesting. I like that. That 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 really makes me think. Super about your yeah. own life. I know because Ali and I were having a conversation two days ago about you know relationships, and you've literally just like answered probably a couple of things you were talking about. Mm. Do you reckon, Ali? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, just to, just to reiterate, significance, connection. Um, certainty certainty and variability and variety variety yeah yeah so the people who are like i always need certainty i always need to do the same thing and they lack variety they're the ones who uh, can get quite frustrated in relationships because they're like my my partner is not giving like they they become very needy and they become very like you need to be with me all the time. You need to tell me how much you love me all the time. But it's because there's just like they've got too much certainty. So you can't have too much of it without having the balance of the variety. And that's why, you know, 
you need to have that spontaneity and you need to have that fun and that variety in your relationship. But if you've got too much variety and you want to go out all the time and there isn't that any, you know, balance of the certainty, then that also doesn't work out. So it's like, okay, how do we balance this out? It's not so much how do we compromise, but I like to use the word balance. How do we balance out certainty and variety and significance and connection to make the relationship work? Hmm. And also the one thing with connection as well is you need to have it within yourself. A lot of people are looking for connection with other people and they're wanting that, they're craving and they're needing it from others, but they haven't, they don't even know who they are. They don't, they're not aligned within themselves to figure out what is it that I want? Like when I ask people, what do you want? They're like, I've never been asked that before. Hmm. And it's such a powerful question. What do you want? Because th- those are indicators of telling you where, where your soul wants to go. So listen to them. It's such a beautiful thing when you listen to your heart. You know, I did this really fun activity with my therapist about a couple of years ago, and it was like, Mm -hmm. here's a piece of paper, and we're going to fold it into three folds. And the first column is facts about you. My name is Mm -hmm. yada, yada, yada. This is my age. I'm from this country. I live here, okay? And then the second one was about what do people want from me? And the third one was Mm -hmm. about what are your desires? Okay. I still look back at that paper till today. I think I shared it with you, Ali, before. Um, but it was really hard to actually write down what are my desires. Mm. Yeah. How often do you get asked, hey, how are you going today? How's the weather? What are yeah. your desires? <laughs> yeah, because this is the thing. We don't teach children to focus on what you want. And we don't say, like, who are you and what do you like to do and what do you want to do? It's always like you need to be good. And you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to be this way and you need to go to university and you need to do... Like, how do you learn who you are if you're told who to be? Mm. You know? Which they then turn into facts. They just turn into... Exactly. Exactly. Great. So I'm a mean, I'm an engineer. Like, I'm into this country. Yep. I've achieved this. Yada, yada, yada. Yep. Great. Not yep. happy. Now what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, but not, that's all well and good, but who are you? And what what do you actually want out of life? Like... How do you want to show up every day? How do you want to, you know, have leave your mark in the world? You know, so that's a good activity. I like that activity. Mm. What is the, Lisa, what is the best question I could ask you right now? What's the best question you could ask me? I'm going to say, uh, what is success? That just came to me. Hmm. So what is success? I heard a quote from my mentor, Bob Proctor, who actually heard it from Earl Nightingale, and he said, the success is the progressive realisation of a worthy goal or ideal. So for me, success is having that worthy goal and working towards it whatever that goal is, if it's aligned with me and if it feels great and you're working towards a goal, for me, that, that, that one part of that defines success. And then the other part is a very holistic approach. Like when I think of someone who I, like somebody in particular who I find quite successful, very balanced, very level-headed, very calm in all situations, very peaceful, and just doing 
what needs to be done, but in a very calm manner. And then I suppose the third part is I have all these meanings of success, so I'm trying to kind of um, articulate it for someone living in their truth. If you're living in your truth, you're successful. That's probably what I was looking at. That out of all those three, that kind of sums it all up. When I look at someone who's living in their truth and they're so confident and peaceful and happy and love in their essence, I'm like they are so successful. You've you've, you've mentioned that, that like a few times now, living in their truth. I really want to understand what do you mean by how do you know if someone is really living in their truth, like genuinely? yeah are they doing what they want to do that's the first thing like are you actually personally and professionally are you doing what you want to do like day in and day out it means listening to your intuition and allowing that to guide you and to make your decisions instead of making a decision on fear and um, habitual thinking because most people just go off habit and they're just running on adrenaline and they're really quite unconscious of what they're doing it means becoming self-aware of what's actually going on around you, you know, and taking full responsibility. So I choose to take responsibility 100% for a decision that I make or that I've made. What am I going to do about it now? I'm going to choose to learn from it. I'm, I'm going to listen to my inner voice and I'm going to allow that to guide me every day. If it feels right, for me, I'm, I've said in a few times that I'm quite kinesthetic, so I'm a feelings-based person, so I use a lot of the, the feeling words. Um, so if it feels right for me, then I, I go with that. Other people are like, you know, have to have all these steps and that's what they need to do. They're very AD and, and that helps them make a decision. But for me, living in their truth is like, are you being the person that you want to be? Are you showing up in the world how you want to be? Are you being the best version of yourself? Are you working towards a goal? Are you listening to your inner voice? Or are you listening to all the external things that are coming inside? Like that's what most of the people do. This is why I don't watch the news. And I actually don't watch a lot of television because I don't like to see and hear what's going on. And people are like, but, you know, you need to know what's happening. I said, no, if it's really important, somebody will tell me. Like didn't really watch the news through COVID because I'm like, I don't need to know because it just creates negative energy and it puts stuff in my mind where I'm like I don't want to gather information from the outside I want to live from within and that's the name of my coaching company LFW living from within and that's that's how it kind of came about so yeah people that live from within the inside out uh that's you know I'd kind of define that as living in your truth awesome yeah that makes a lot of sense I just had one follow-up question um mm -hmm. you mentioned intuition connection People always ask this question. I really don't know how to articulate it. Um, um, maybe similar to you, fairly intuitive, and always kind of followed my gut feeling, and I did lose that connection mm -hmm. at some time, and recently started reconnecting with it again. But how do mm -hmm. you really build that connection for anyone there who hasn't had that experience, or for those who, I don't know, lost it on the way, like myself? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's about stopping. You you really need to stop. And I like to look at myself from a bird's eye view. So I almost come out of myself and I look down and I ask myself, like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you thinking about? What's going on? And, and this is quite, I usually like to do this in a quite meditative state. So if I'm in a bath or if I'm lying down or, you know, I do my deep breathing and then I just 
I check in with myself. And when you check in, like, what, what am I feeling today? What am I thinking? What are my thought patterns? What are my habits? What did, why did I do this? And it's like getting it all out. But some people need to write it down. Writing is great. I love journaling. Some people can kind of just talk their way through it or that people, other people need to do it with other people. But kind of doing it within yourself is very powerful and you can connect with yourself in a, on a very deep level because you don't need to justify yourself. But asking, going with it and saying like, why did I do this? And why do I think this way? And why am I feeling this way? And you have a conversation with yourself. And, the, and if you trust your intuition, you get the answers. It comes to you. But you have to be ready to listen to it. A lot of people are like so self-critical and they've got so much guilt. They're like, you know, you ask yourself, why did I do this? Oh, because I'm crap and I'm a negative person and I, no one loves me and I hate everything. And, and they just go down this path of, you know, victimization and so much like self-guilt and self-shame and, and self-hatred that they're like, I don't want to work on myself. It's too hard. <laughs> so that's where people get it wrong where it's like, okay, this is what I've done. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I want. How do I get there? How do I stop doing those bad things without being self-critical? And how do I focus on what I do want? So we want to break the habit of the guilt. Guilt the guilt serves no emotion, no positive emotion at all. It doesn't serve anyone or anything. So I let go. I am learn, learn, I'm, I'm going to say I'm learning to let go of guilt. You know, it takes a while, but I, I've learned to let go of a lot of it. And there was a lot of guilt after the divorce, um, understandably. But I've yeah, learned to learning to let go of that one. Um, but I've now look at when I do things that I'm not that I'm not proud of. I'm like, what happened? What can I do better next time? And I don't allow guilt to come in. So going back to your question, the way to connect is habitually doing, like checking in with yourself daily, multiple times a day. You know, people are like, oh, I've done it once. I'm like, that's not enough. You need to have conversations with yourself all the time. You need to check in. You need to, this personal development, like it doesn't end. There is no end. You're never there. You're, it, it, you need to, you can, and there's going to be another challenge. There's always challenges that come up and you, and you just navigate through them. But it's like stopping, meditating, going in within, saying, what's going on? What do I want? What do I need to change? Who am I? And you just wait for the answers to come up. So you don't need to control it. You don't need to, we don't need to control everything. We're always controlling so much. It's like, just let the answers come. Let them just be. And expect it. Always controlling and expecting something of ourselves. Yeah, well, I think, you know, there's that whole concept of high expectation. And, you know, I, I suppose I'm someone who does have a high expectation of myself, but I'm now learning to have a realistic expectation. So I'm replacing expectation with realistic. I'm putting realistic in front of it. I'm like, is this realistic? Because if it's not, if, then just, you know, get rid of that. So I think, you know, when you're someone, I'm quite ambitious and um, I'm very driven and I'm... Um, Sometimes that can cause me to feel quite tired <laughs> and frustrated because I'm not getting to where I want to be so quickly. But I'm like, that's not realistic. So let's just bring it back down and um, and just let go of it. Let go. So we have this closing tradition for the podcast where we mm -hmm. ask the previous guest to leave the next guest a question. What's the one thing you do? to help maintain your mental health? 
Great. I love that question. So many things that I do and there is honestly like you, for me, I've got to, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into me being where I'm at and me having a certain mindset. But I would say the thing that came up to me and I'm going to go with it because that's what my intuition is telling me to say is keeping my relationship with God like very present in my life and always praying and always asking for his guidance and um, asking him to help me help others because I believe that's why we're all here, to serve other people. Thank you for joining us and giving us your precious time. We learned yeah. so much from you, and I'm sure our audience will too. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun, um, and I love what you guys are doing. I love that you're change makers um, of the world. So, yeah, thank yeah. you for your time. Our stories are the building blocks of who we are, and we hope this episode was the right trigger to reflect on your stories and how they made you who you are. Thank you for listening. Please follow us on whatever platform you are hearing this from. Until the next Open Diary.